0: You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. To show our appreciation for our worship team this morning, incredible men and women of God, I tell you, they were up while most of us were still tucked up under... Our warm blankets with our little warm wheat bags. And uh, come on, wheat bags are from Jesus, I tell ya. Little hot water bottles. Who has a hot water bottle? Come on, yes. Do you have a fluffy cover on it? Yes, that's awesome. My little boy has a little wheat bag he puts inside this little puppy, it calls a warm puppy. And uh, he's graduated this week to being able to put it in the microwave all by himself. And uh, some of you probably think I'm a bad parent for letting him do that, but that's all right. Um, He can press the one minute button and uh, he's just loving it. He's warming it up all the time. It was just yesterday morning, it's like the sun's out. He's like, I'm warming up, warm puppy. And I'm like, you go, buddy, you go. Well, uh, guys, like I mentioned before, I'm really excited about the word God's put on my heart for this morning. I believe it's it's, uh, just another one of those moments where God's adjusting us a little bit as a church and uh, back into alignment with his will and his direction uh, for us as his people, as his children. Uh, Like any good dad does, you know, often uh, there is repeated adjustments uh, to make sure that we're walking in alignment with his will and his purpose in our lives. And so I hope you're ready for this word this morning. And um, I'm going to need to pray because the Socceroos lost last night. I'm going to need to get myself into a place of faith again. But, uh, you know, it's good. God's the same yesterday and today and forever. So even when the Socceroos lose, he's still good. Amen? Amen? Amen. I feel like it's been a rough couple of months, the Jets and the Socceroos. Come on. It's my counseling session right now. Can you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you love us. I thank you that you care about the things we care about. I thank you that you're intimately involved in our lives. And Lord, I just want to thank you for this word this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's so powerful, so life-giving. It speaks so into our life, Lord. It's an incredible um, piece of writing, Lord, and I just thank you for it. I pray it would go out today, settle in the hearts of every person in this place, bringing transformation, bringing power, bringing hope, bringing joy, bringing peace, Father, into our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, Pastor Keith has unveiled the current leg of our vision, which is uh, that you know we believe it's time. Uh, we believe that it's time that we see growth and we see influence um, break out uh, within this church. And uh, last week, Pastor Mel unveiled uh, uh, some detail around uh, what, this, uh, what this growth is going to look like, some, some pathways, some things like that, which, which I thought was incredible, and I'm really excited to see that get rolled out. But uh, today, I want to concentrate on what it is to be a people of influence, um, you know, I hope that you want to be a person of influence. I hope that you want to be someone who whose life leaves a mark. Whose whose life has an effect. Uh, that we're not just committed to, you know, getting uh, in, in a heaven at the end, that we've, we've, we've secured our life insurance policy and uh, we're going to bunker down, we're going we're to cave ourselves in uh, and just hope that we make it to the end of our life and, and then we can go and spend eternity in heaven. I hope that, that you realize that actually uh, placing your faith in Jesus, being born again uh, and being a new creation is, is because he has a purpose for us here and now in our life, in, in the season that we're still breathing. Uh, he has stuff for us to do. And I hope that you want to partner with him in that, that you're not willing to just hang up the boots and, and, and sit and let life pass by. If you are, this message might not be the one for you. But uh, I thought I'd start off with a bit of a story this morning. Um, in my spare time, uh, I'm, a, I'm a high school teacher and... Um, <laughs> Right, Uh, I get to teach science and I get to teach design, and uh, you know I love I love both of those subjects and exploring those two aspects of who God is, the great designer, and uh, just the intricacy in which He's He's put us together. But one of my favorite things in science is to do a dissection, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's the best, right? Like cutting up stuff uh, with scalpels, and you can pray for me later. Um, But but so Friday, this Friday, just gone, I. I, was, I had one free period and uh, I was just getting into work in the morning, so checking my emails and there was a phone call that came through, it was, it was from uh, my other sort of science teacher colleague who's also called Nathan, which is you know, no coincidence, uh, last name starts with W as well, it's fantastic, and, um, and, and, and his, it was his wife whose waters had just broken. Um, right? And he's at work like a good husband. And uh, anyway, so he had to go and uh, obviously all of his classes had to kind of be to, to be covered kind of in a little bit of a rush. And um, it just so happened that he had a year eight science class doing a heart dissection on the period that I had off. So I'm like, I will do that. Let, let me at it. That's going to be awesome. I wasn't expecting I was going to get cut hearts up today, but you know, happy Friday. And um, and so um, I'm teaching year eight, and, and what, I about, uh, uh, what I love about dissections is, is how we can explore the structure of parts of the human body, and just, just how heavily structure tells us about function. How something in the human body is structured uh, so incredibly explains its function, We can postulate and hypothesize and come up with all of these how things function, but I tell you, nothing answers those questions like cutting into something, opening it up, seeing the structure and realizing, oh my goodness, that's there, that's there, it has to be there. That explains how it functions. One of my favorite dissections is an eyeball, right? And uh, hopefully you all had breakfast a little while ago, right? But but you get to this point when you're dissecting an eyeball where you actually pop the lens out the... are we are we good? Is this okay, right? It's, you pop the lens out, and and if you do it right, you can keep it intact, and and we give the kids uh, this little segment of really small newspaper, and you can actually use it like a little magnifying glass, right? It's in, it's incredible. It's, it's, I love doing it, um, but when I was at, when, I, when I was yeah a little bit a little bit off, it's all right. When I when I was at uni, my favourite course was was anatomy, and. Uh, just just really for the the, the reality that I was, I was in a lab and I had the, the opportunity to hold a human brain in my hands and just be like, oh my goodness, look, this, is, this is incredible, this is amazing. Like, look, it's, it's phenomenal, a, a human brain. Um, and I, I love translating that to the students and, and just unpacking the intricacy of how, how we're put together and how, how much that speaks of, of the functions of, of our body. And... You see, structure will always speak uh, about something's function. It's structure both explains and enables its function. You could say that what it is explains what it does, right? Or we could take that a step further and we could say who we are explains and enables what we do. You see, Victory Emerging has been about revealing. That's the season of vision that we've just come out of. If, if you guys have been a part of our church for, for a number of years now, you would know we've been in a season of, of vision called Victory Emerging. And it's, it's really been a journey of, of rediscovery or the, 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 the revealing of God about actually who we are. And I find it interesting that who we are will explain and enable what we do. And now we're in a season of vision that's about it's time, uh, which is all about what's about to be done. And and so we've had to go through this remaking of, of who we are so that we can step into what God's called us to do. We are, sorry, we are what we are to be an influence in this city and beyond. Emerging as a community with the de- deliberate development of disciples. Why? Influence. Emerging as a prophetic community of spirit and truth. Why? to have influence emerging as a multi-site church why influence i could i could go through the other ones leadership and ministry it's influence significant impact in our city and beyond influence i don't know if you realize this but looking back I, i've begun to it was a big setup <laughs> right it was a big setup by god right he's known the whole journey from the beginning he knew that when he remade us it would speak to and enable and explain what it is that he's calling us to do and so now we get to step into this season of, of what it is, right? Like at just the right time, God sent Christ into the world. At just the right time, God's put on our heart that now it's time. Because he knows that we've been through this remaking and now we're ready because we know who we are. We're ready for what we're to do. So let's talk about influence. Influence. Three of the greatest influences on our life, naturally, if we want to speak in the natural for a second, three of the greatest influences on our life are are our sight, our smell, and our taste. But if we want to unpack those a little bit, sight, anatomically, is, is actually really about light. Without light, there is no sight. Smell, which is actually nothing if there's no aroma or no scent, it's just the interpretation of aroma and scent, and taste, similarly, is nothing without flavor. And, and I love that, that often, because the spiritual made the natural, the natural is a bit of a reflection of the spiritual. And so, and so we can actually begin to see that the things that influence us in the natural are a reflection of three of the greatest influences on us spiritually. If you're tracking with me. Light, smell, and taste. If you're going to take notes this morning, I'm going to do something that I rarely do, and I'm going to have three really clear points. So for all of you who like really clear points, this is the message that you're going to embrace, Nate, as a preacher, all right? So here we go. First point we're going to unpack is sight or light. Matthew five fourteen to 16 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a mountain, glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That is speaking of what we are to do. Because we are light, what we are to do is let it shine, right? We're supposed to be people of light in a situation that's dark, in a world that is still in darkness. We're supposed to be a city on a hill, Not just as a church gathered, but also as individuals out in our lives, as the church scattered in the community, we are supposed to see ourselves as a city of light in that place. We are supposed to bring what light brings. What a city on a hill, imagine a city on a hill in the middle of the desert, no light anywhere. You're wandering through the desert, not knowing where you're going on the horizon, you see light. Can I tell you that immediately that brings hope? Immediately that brings a sense of relief. Immediately that speaks of rest, speaks of peace, speaks of safety, speaks of an opportunity to put your feet up, speaks of, speaks of a place where you can go and you know that you're going to have an opportunity to stop wandering through the darkness of the desert of life. And yet we live in a community, in a society where people are are just trying to get from A to B, wandering through life. And we're supposed to be a city on a hill whose light, the light that shines in us and through us, is supposed to speak to them of hope and of peace and of a security that they can find in their life. Our actions, our speech, and our choices should be ones that seek to uplift, to brighten, to bring hope, to bring peace, to bring rest in a people's world, to alleviate fear, to reveal that there is more to this life. Point number two, taste, or more correctly, flavor. Just before we're told we're light, we're we're told we're something else in Matthew. We're told that you are the salt of the earth lost my place but what good is it if salt? what good is salt if it has lost its flavor can you make it useful again it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless salt is many things in fact if you do a bit of a study on salt and the references to it uh sort of from that era you'll find that they use salt for quite a number of things it was really significant but i want to pick up on a couple of those this morning number one salt enhances flavor Right, it's all about flavor, right? If you watch MasterChef, like I watch MasterChef, all right, you would know season season season, right? Like I'm about to go home after I've preached, put my feet up on the couch, I'm going to binge watch at least the last 3 episodes because I've not been able to get to watch them this week. So, please don't tell me what happens, don't tell me who was voted off. All right, I'm on lockdown from any MasterChef conversations cuz that's going to be my afternoon. But but salt is an enhancement of flavor. Salt is also a purifier. Salt is also a preserver. And we are to be these things. Our language. Let's not get too practical here, right? That's our deeds, our interactions. Our life should be lived to enhance the flavor of this world. With the flavors of love, with the flavor of joy, with the flavor of compassion, of generosity, of kindness. Come on, they have a flavor. You can taste generosity on someone. It's a little weird phrase, I know, but you can. It has a, it has a flavor. We should be looking to purify the places that we walk into. Not in, not in like some weird way, all right? Not like going in like with the smoke and the incense and the, you know, like, no, but in, in what we bring into the environment. Cleansing people. And situations of fear and anxiety and stress and hopelessness by bringing peace, by bringing hope, we can purify, preserving people's hope, preserving people's dignity. We don't give up, we keep believing. I'm gonna let you know a little secret forgiveness is one of the greatest purifying agents that you've been given by God. Unforgiveness is like an inner decay. It's like fruit that's gone bad. But forgiveness removes that decay and preserves the soul. And we have an opportunity to bring forgiveness into situations to preserve a relationship, to preserve someone's hope, to preserve. So we are to be light. We are to be flavor, salt. And the third point, we are to be a smell, an aroma. A good one, right? (laughs) I still got toddlers in nappies. I know the difference. If you want to turn with me to 2 Corinthians... We're going to see what the word says about the aroma that we should carry. 2 Corinthians two fourteen to 15 says, But thanks be to God who made us his captives and led us along in Christ's triumphant procession. I'm just going to pause there just for a second. I'm going to point out you're no longer captive to the things of this world. You're no longer captive to sin. You might feel like you struggle with a particular sin day in and day out, but can I tell you the truth is you are not captive to that thing. You have been made captive to God himself. All right, that is the truth, irrespective of what the circumstances, even what your reality will try to scream at you. It is not the truth of your life. You have been born again. You are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You are now no longer captive to sin. You are captive to Jesus. Now, wherever we go, he uses us. Let that settle for a second. Wherever we go, he uses us. So when you walk into your work on Monday morning, that's somewhere that you go, so he's going to use you. When you walk into the supermarket, that's somewhere that you go, He's gonna use you. When, you. when you walk in to to sports soccer training with your with your young kids or or to gymnastics, right? It, you're going somewhere, so he's gonna use you. Right. Wherever we go, he he uses us. Uh, this is really interesting because it's about to it's about to talk about how we speak as an aroma. Uh, I'm gonna set you up here so you're not shocked. It's gonna talk about what you say as an aroma. It's going to say that he uses us to tell others about the Lord and to spread the good news like a sweet perfume. Can I tell you the gospel is the sweet aroma that's on your life? The gospel of Jesus, that Jesus was real, that he's the son of God, that he left heaven and came to earth, that he walked on this planet, and that he lived a life that we could never live, and then died the death in our place for everything that we have done wrong in the eyes of God. It's a real situation, and that's the gospel. That's the good news, and that's the sweet-smelling aroma that should be on our lips. We should be ready whenever we go somewhere for him to use us to speak the gospel to speak the good news. That thing, that 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 reality of Jesus in your life should be on the tip of your tongue whenever you go anywhere. You shouldn't be forcing it out. It should be sitting there right at the back so when there's an opportunity to speak hope, the gospel comes out. When there's an opportunity to speak of life, the gospel comes out. When there's an opportunity to speak about what someone, why you have, the scripture tells us that we should always be ready to give a response for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, you need to get down. You need to learn the gospel in like 15 words so it comes off of your tongue like a sweet-smelling aroma. Don't get me preaching. It says that our lives are a fragrance presented by Christ to God, but that this fragrance is perceived differently by those being saved and by those perishing. Can I tell you, if someone is seeking, it is going to be the sweetest thing they ever hear. If someone knows they need hope, if someone knows that their life is in a place where they need something, the gospel is the sweetest smell on planet earth. But just be aware, just, just, just so that you don't go into situations with unhealthy expectations, to those that aren't seeking, to those that feel like they have their life all worked out, all their I's dotted and all their T's crossed and they don't need Jesus, they think they've got it all together in their own strength, a gospel is going to smell like a toddler's nappy. Don't have unhealthy expectation, guys. You're going to confront people when you speak the gospel. It will be the sweetest smell in their, their whole world, but others, it won't be. And scripture, just, it just tells us that. It just says, hey, just be aware. It's what it's going to be like. Still do it, but just be aware. So that, so that you're not knocked down when the second one happens. All right, so that, so you can get back up because you are aware. All oh, right, that's going to happen sometimes. I'm pre-aware, so I can handle that. Okay. Now, with each of these, with light, with being light, with being salt, flavour, with being a smell and an aroma, there's there's something really interesting about the language that's used in in each of those scriptures, in each of, each of those passages that talk about the fact that, they are, that those are the things that we are, and that is that the language has intentionality written all over it. Being light, being salt, and being a sweet-smelling aroma is not something that happens without intention. We cannot accidentally slip into these things we have to live a life that is intentional about being light we have to wake up and 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 look let's be honest pray ourselves to a place so we can go out and intentionally be on the lookout to be salt live our lives aware that this is why we're on planet earth this is why we didn't immediately levitate up out of the auditorium when we raised our hand and prayed the sinner's prayer It's because we have a purpose to be intentional in how we live. God has purposed us to, to be intentional about being light, to be intentional about being salt, to be intentional about being a sweet-smelling aroma with the gospel on our lips in each and every circumstance that we walk into because wherever we go, He is going to use us. I think too often, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about myself, too often... I'm not intentional. Too often I get to the end of the day and I realize, ah, if I'd been more intentional, I totally would have seen that situation for what it was and I could have bought salt. I could have bought the sweet-smelling aroma. But I missed it. I want to live intentional. But am I the only one that gets to the end of reading... This stuff and and listening to a message like this and starts to think, how the heck am I supposed to do that, (laughs) right? Like, am I the only one that, as I'm writing my own message, sits there going, "Have you seen my life? (laughs) I got two toddlers, I work two jobs." Trying to eat healthy, right? I'm, 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 I'm trying to cut sugar out. Like I'm raging by 9 a.m. if I haven't had a coffee. Can we, can we be real? Like if someone's driving 60 in a 70 zone, I am not bringing light. It does not matter how intentional I start in my day. If someone is driving below the speed limit, I'm bringing a different aroma. Like if we we take scripture and try to apply it to actually the reality of our lives, in the midst of trying not to lose it at my toddlers or your teenagers, and by that I mean your teenagers that I'm teaching in the classroom, dealing with the pressure at work, losing a job, trying to find a job, trying to pay bills, manage money, stay married, find someone to marry, trying to find time to exercise. And in the midst of all that, I'm supposed to be intentionally light. Scripture tells me that I'm wherever I go, I'm supposed to be ready to share the gospel. Does anyone else feel like that's an impossible task? Just me, you guys are leaving me up here all, all alone this morning. It's okay to respond. Here's the thing. It is impossible. It is. It's completely and utterly impossible. If it wasn't, we would have no need for Jesus. I think one of the single greatest things that takes us out of interacting with the grace of God is thinking that we can actually do any of this Christian life on our own. Acts 1.8 says, But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world, ends of the earth. I'm just going to take that scripture, I'm going to reread it in the context of our message and our vision when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to be an influence. You will receive power to be light. You will receive power to be soul. You will receive the power to tell people about Jesus everywhere. In our city and beyond. see it's not by strength it's not by might some of us with, with really good self-discipline and determination can grit our teeth and you know, I might make light like I'm going to be light and I'm going to try and be light and determined and we leave the house and we're light for about 45 minutes we're trying to do it on our own it is Uncanny the difference that I notice in my life between when I have found the time, made the time, I don't think you find it, I think you make it, when I have made the time to connect with Jesus. Not ticking a Bible plan reading app, not praying to tick the box, but connecting with Jesus. When I do that, I don't know what happens, but I'm light. I'm salt. It's, it's ridiculous, the change. It's ridiculous, the capacity I have. You talk to my wife, she'll testify. I try to, on a Tuesday, I try to get down to the beach before my kids get up and just be with Jesus. And my wife will tell you, I am a different person on Tuesday. I pray other days of the week too. You don't need to worry about your pastor, but all right. The difference is so recognizable. And suddenly I just find light is easy and salt is easy. And telling people about Jesus is easy. And then the, the day I don't make the time, it's like frustration, is the first thing that comes out. Or cynicism or complaining. I'm gonna finish by reading this scripture. I was reading it as I was preparing, and I was like, man, sometimes scripture just preaches better right? Like if scripture could hold a mic I think that this would be a little mic drop moment for scripture. It's in Isaiah uh, chapter 58 I'm going to read two sections of it I'm going to start at verse 7 read verse 7 and then I'm going to read verse 10 through through to 12 I think it's going to be on the screen so you can follow along I feel like this this just brings it back this just makes it practical this is like well okay but like, what does light look like? What does salt actually look like? Like, like, like what does the influence look like? I want you to share your food with the hungry. I want you to welcome poor wanderers into your homes. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Down to verse 10. It's like it's on repeat. Broken record. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness. And the darkness around you will be as bright as day. The Lord will guide you continually, watering your life when you are dry and keeping you healthy too. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. And your children will Will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. And get this. This this put this sentence in this, in the context of our vision. Then you will be known as the people who rebuild their walls and cities. Tell me that's not influence. Tell me that's not influence in our city and beyond. To be the ones who are known, to be the ones that the city knows. As the people who rebuilt. That in generations to come, the ones that rebuilt the walls and the cities of Newcastle and the surrounding area were known to be us. It's not by strength, it's not by might, it's by His Spirit.